John 3, 16. Why don't we all read it together? Wouldn't that be cool? Ready? For God so loved the world that he Amen. Now we're going to read chapter, Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 18. Can you re- I'm just kidding. I'll read it for you. And there were shepherds lying out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified, but the angel said to them, Don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town... Of David, a Savior has been born to you. He's the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in claws, lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with an angel, with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning him and what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we've came here together to lift you up, to honor you. And we pray today that In your presence, your word would change us. Renew our minds today, God. Make us different. And Lord, we'll give you the honor and the glory for it. In Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen. All right, you may be seated. How how many of you have a Christmas list, like a wish list? Anybody have a Christmas wish list? I I see a little hand right there. She's like, yeah! You know, it is It is kind of strange. The older you get, the less... um, you know, the less you do things like that. Like if you ask me right now what I want for Christmas, I don't have, I couldn't tell you. I have been blessed so much. I don't want anything. (laughs) The issue is I probably just haven't sat down long enough and thought about it. But if you ask me what I wanted, I probably couldn't tell you. I mean, we do live a blessed life in America. And so, um, so the older you get, the more you end up having, the less you want, and, and the whole nine yards. But the, the ironic thing is, is even though you might not have written it down on Christmas Day, you know if you want it or not. <laughs> Statistically, I know this to be true. Because they've done studies, 52% of what you give for Christmas, other people take back. Do you realize that? We, over half of uh, what we give away, we're getting wrong. Doesn't that encourage you in two weeks? You're, you, you spent the time shopping for it. You're going to wrap it all up. You're going to hand it to somebody, and they're going to go, that's so awesome. It's exactly what I wanted. And, um, and in two weeks, when they think the coast is clear, they're going to take it right back and get cash for it. That's why they came up with the gift receipt, right? So, so, that, so I'm going to help everybody. I'm, I'm, I'll just help the men out today. I don't know anything about women. I just know what men should do. And it's this, statistically, I want to help you out, okay? Everybody paying attention. 62% of clothing gifts are taken back. So the sweater you bought your wife, go ahead and do her a favor and take it back right now. (laughs) 
So 52% of what we give away is, is exchanged or changed or something like that. But in clothing, 62% of clothes are, are just taken back right away. It's like, I never wear red. I, I don't understand why you got me a red shirt. So, here's the truth. You know what the number one thing that it's never taken back for ladies? Expensive jewelry. So I'm going to help everybody out right now. I'm going to help everybody out. Ladies, don't act too anxious because the sin is going to look rehearsed. Take the sweater back, guys, right now. Take it back and get the diamond. Just do it. Because if you give her the sweater, she's going to remember the sweater from January to December of next year. But if you give her the diamond, <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm helping you out. You know she's going to return the sweater. Statistically, she's taking the sweater back. I'm just letting you know that. She will not take the diamond back. So, get that credit card out. Smoke it up. Then we'll all be here back in January going, you told me to do it, man. I can't pay my house payment. (laughs) I know the struggle. (laughs) What do you do when your gift isn't on the list? Everybody remembers when they were a kid having a Christmas list. When I was a kid, I'm old enough to remember the Sears catalog. Some of the kids in here are like Sears. Remember the Sears catalog? They used to mail it in your... They used to jam that thing in a mailbox. And I used to go through it as a kid and mark all the things you wanted. And then you'd get what you got for Christmas. (laughs) And uh, I can remember... I might have told this before. Me and my brother were the same size growing up. He's two years younger than me, but uh, he ate more hormone-laced chicken than I did. And um, so we ended up being the same size. He's actually bigger than me now. And so what happened was... Uh, we, we had no money growing up, and that's not an exaggeration. I'm not exaggerating being poor. I'm, I'm talking about we propped the trailer door open to get more channels, if anybody can relate to that. You know what I'm saying? Um, we were living in an antenna, and we would prop it open to get more channels, and that's the way I grew up, all, all, the, th- all the way my whole life. And my, my whole growing up experience was, um, you know, just we didn't have money. We didn't go on vacation. We didn't do things like that. And so... So during Christmas, you can make the Sears wish list thing. But here's what would happen. If my brother opened up his gift first and he got a red sweater, I knew I was getting a blue one. <laughs> and I'm just like, could it at least be a different sweater? Like, but that's the way it works. So, so you'd make a list on the idea that, you know, God might miraculously drop 10 grand on the family during Christmas and I'm getting a four-wheeler. And then you'd wake up on Christmas morning and you'd get what you got for Christmas and you'd be like, that ain't... Just making sure you did get the list because none of this is on there. And then you'd smile and you'd thank God and your parents would say, well, God's blessed us this year. And I'm like, I just, doesn't look like it to me. What happens when what you get wasn't on your list? You know, the, uh, 
In Israel, when Christ came, I want to make the argument that he wasn't on their list. Not the Christ that actually came. There's over 300 prophecies in the Old Testament pointing to Jesus' birth, life, death, resurrection. But what had happened up to this point is that, is that kind of like we do, not kind of, exactly like we do, uh, Israel kind of cherry-picked what they liked and created a version of the Messiah that, that supported uh, the direction they wanted the country to go in. They were under Roman oppression, and so the idea of a conquering Messiah was very palatable for the people. The Jesus, the Messiah, the, the one coming is going to be this conquering king that's going to come and deliver us because, after all, that's the way God did it in the past. When he was proving his strength, he would raise the nation of Israel up. They would go into the promised land. They would, they would d- destroy all their enemies in miraculous ways. And, and they would say, the God, this is the God of all God. This is the king of all kings. He is the Almighty. And, and nobody could argue with him because in miraculous ways, the, the Israelites would go in and destroy everybody. And so they're taking cues from the past and going, okay, this is what he's got to look like. We're, we're in the same situation. We're being oppressed as a people, but this is not good. And he's going to come and deliver us all. Well, there were scriptures about him being a conquering savior. There was also scriptures about him being a suffering servant. Now, I know you don't do this, but some people will gather a bunch of scriptures together to support how they feel in the moment, right? We never want to talk about forgiveness when, when the injustice has been done to us. We want to talk about conquering when there's an injustice done to us, right? Oh, God's going to put my enemies under his feet like little bugs. But the same conquering Savior tells us to forgive, as we talked about a couple weeks ago. How many, Lord? As many as it takes. Yeah, but I don't like that picture of a savior. I want you to come in and destroy all my enemies. I want you to come in and do this for me. I want you to come in and eradicate. I want you to take the person on the other end of the Comcast line and I want you to make them miserable. Just a show of hands. I've been transferred 17 times and my cable still don't work. Lord, fire from heaven, burn up. I've seen you do it. I believe you'll do it again. We sing it in church, God. And then he shows up in a way that you don't expect. And so we have trouble because the gift we wanted is not, the gift we got is not on the list. So Israel based a lot of what they thought the Messiah was going to be on history. You know, history is good because you don't want to repeat it, but neither does God. You see, we, we oftentimes only want God to do what he has done before. We only, we look back and say, God, won't you do that again? God, why don't you do that again? Remember those days, why don't you do that again? And the whole time Israel was doing that, God was saying, I want to do something else. You don't serve a God that's locked into Groundhog Day. 
That's not the God you serve. He said he's coming to do a new thing. He said, come and sing a new song. He said, I can reveal my way, my, myself to you in ways that you've never seen before. That's why it's important to keep going back to the same scripture that you've read before. Because your historical view of the scripture may not be the full picture. So the issue is, is you don't just read it one time and then walk away from it and go, I've read that, it's good, it's like a novel. No, no, no. The issue is you keep going back to it and God reveals himself more and more and more and more and more. So that's why I never trust somebody to say, I used to read the Bible. You used to read the Bible. Now you've got a friend, well, I mean, I've read the Bible all the way through. I know what it says. Oh, okay. Quick study you are. So watch this. Israel was looking for something that God had already done, and God wanted to do something they had never seen before. And oftentimes we base our idea of what God's giving us on what he's already done, and God's saying, listen, I'm giving you something you haven't experienced before. I'm giving you something new. I'm giving you something to experience that, that you have no framework for. And so God doesn't repeat the past. He builds on it. He doesn't, he doesn't set tabernacles up over and over and over and over again. He sets a tabernacle up for Moses, and then he doesn't do it again like that. Then he goes to a temple. Then he goes to an actual physical Savior. Then he, You see, God doesn't just, he's not locked into just repeating and repeating and repeating. He's revealing himself in new ways over and over and over to us. He's an infinite God that can reveal himself in infinite ways to us. And so when we lock in to a certain, this is the way he has to be. I mean, there are things that God has to be. He can't be a liar. Somebody thank God for that. He can't go against his word. But do you know what the beautiful thing is? I have people all the time. I just had somebody ask me this a couple weeks ago. They said, man, what about heaven? Like, what's, what's, what's the deal? I'm a little bit worried about the heaven thing. And they were basing it on their experience here on earth. And I said, heaven is not based on your experience here on earth or I don't want to go. Because I don't like some people here. I said that, didn't I? It was in the mic. You know, some people get on your nerves here. And then we're afraid that when we get to heaven, they're going to be there. (laughs) Do you ever thought that? You ever thought that person on Comcast line is, is in heaven? I'm letting them know as soon as I get there. I still didn't have cable. And that's why I'm here so early. But then God comes and says, I'm going to do something that nobody's ever fathomed before. I'm going to do something you can't conceive. I'm going to do something nobody's thought about. Now watch this. So when we don't get the gift we want, we, we try to return it, don't we? So what happens is, is Jesus comes to the earth in the beginning of John, John chapter 1. The Bible says that he was gathering up his disciples and, and they came to Nathaniel. And Philip looks at Nathaniel and says, hey man, I think we found the guy. And they can put the scripture up, John chapter 1. What happens is, Nathaniel says this. Nazareth? We talk about the Savior coming from Nazareth. What? Philip says, yeah, it's Jesus from Nazareth. And Nathaniel goes, there's nothing good ever come from Nazareth. You see, it wasn't on his list. The gift was given, and it wasn't on the list. It wasn't the way it was supposed to be. No, 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 he can't come from Nazareth. Nothing ever good comes from Nazareth. 
What are you talking about coming from Nazareth? Then Jesus shows up and says, hey, hey, Nathaniel, I saw you sitting under the tree. He's like, whoa, you've been watching me? He says, yeah, I've been watching you. And all of a sudden he realizes that the gift was wrapped up in a way that he didn't, he didn't see it. It wasn't on the list, but it was still a gift. And then you fast forward a little bit. Jesus is eating with Matthew and some tax collectors and sinners. And the, and the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, come to him. And they say, they say, hey, can you tell us why your guy, why your teacher, watch this, why your teacher eats with tax collectors and sinners? Because the Messiah shouldn't do stuff like that. The, the, the one that we're looking for, the, the gift that we're looking, the gift on our list, doesn't do anything like that. There's some rules around here that you got to follow. There's some, there's some rules about the way God does things. We know them, and, and we should do it. You know how Jesus responds? They say, why do you eat with tax collectors and sinners? He said, he said the, the healthy don't need a physician. Don't you love how Jesus does that? Why do you eat with tax collectors and sinners? I, the healthy don't need a doctor. So why again don't you eat with, why do you eat with tax collectors? Healthy don't need a doctor. It came for the sick. And then he says this, why don't you go and look up what it means to have mercy and grace? He says, he says, you're the teachers of Israel. You don't even know what you're talking about. But go and learn what it means. Isn't that ironic? The greatest teacher to ever walk the face of the earth. They said, we don't accept you. You're their teacher. And then he turns around, looks at him and says, why don't you go learn something? Why don't you go learn? The gift isn't wrapped up the way you want it so you don't take it. That's not the way this works. It's still a gift. You don't get just to return it just because it doesn't look right. Now watch this. So what often happens is we write a a gift list according to our wants, not our needs. Because I don't want what I need. You know what I'm saying? I I need to lose weight. I don't want a gym membership. Don't be, I already got one I don't use. Don't give me another one. So, so you hear me? I just, wanna, I just want skinny on the list, and I just want skinny. I don't want a gym membership to get to skinny. Come on, there's got to be a drink I can drink. There's got to be a pill I can take. Got to be another way. Got to be another way. The trouble is, the Savior of the world comes in a way that we don't accept him. He's not on the list, so we reject it. And we don't understand that he came to give us what we need in spite of what we wanted. So watch this. Two minutes. Stand to your feet. We're going to pray. Then the kids are going to come in. And they're going to create a ruckus. We're going to clap. Watch this. Watch this. Matthew chapter 6, verse 7. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Verse 8. Do not be like them. This is Jesus. Your father knows what you need before you ask him. Did you hear that? Your father knows what you need before you ask him. He knows what you need before you ask him. Did you hear it? He knows what you need before you put it on the list. He knows what you need before you put it on the list. So watch. Watch the way this works out in our lives. Jesus shows up not on the list. He's not what they were look, asking for as a savior. He's not what they were asking for. And he's looking at them saying, I didn't come just to meet your list. I came to save the world. I didn't come just to restore Israel. I came to redeem all of mankind. So here's the way it works. Beth and I would get up in the morning and we pray things like this. We pray, Lord, give us influence. Because once you're in leadership, you realize that's really all you have. If you're leading people, if you're in a job where you're leading people, all you really have is influence because you can make them do what you want them to do for a certain amount of time and then they quit. 
And then you realize you didn't have any influence. All you really have is influence. And so we pray, Lord, give us influence. Lord, give us influence over people so your gospel will go for it. Give us influence. We, we pray it on a daily basis, give it influence. And you know what showed up? Hardship. And I was like, yo, I prayed for influence. I prayed for skinny. I didn't pray for a gym membership. And so what I realized was, is that I kept praying for influence and it got more difficult. I kept praying for influence and I had multiple problems. I kept praying for influence and then it just, I'm going, I don't understand what's happening. But here's the issue. Nobody will trust you if you've never had the opportunity to lie. (laughs) You say, well, I've never lied. Well, you've never really been given the opportunity. You've never really been given the opportunity. Okay, you know where influence comes? When you have the opportunity to do a shortcut and you don't do it. When you have the opportunity to lie and you tell the truth anyway. When you have the opportunity to to halfway do something, but you do it all the way. Oh, all of a sudden, the hardship has become the opportunity. And what I needed comes out of the difficulty. So watch this. Prayed for a better marriage. Guess what I got? More arguments. What are you doing here, Lord? Well, I'm trying to get you to work out what the two of you believe. All you want to do is quit. I'm trying to get you to work out that I'm number one in your life. I'm trying to get, so so we, we pray for one thing. God gives us something that's not on the list and we reject it versus seeing it as an opportunity. We don't know what to do with it. But I'm here to tell you this. Watch. Lord, direct my steps. Remember we talked about that a couple months ago? Lord, your lamp into my feet, light into my path. You'll make it straight. You, you direct the steps of a righteous man. or the, they're, they're ordered by the Lord. All these things, you direct them, you direct them, you direct them, you direct them. And then we turn to Matthew and Jesus says, he knows what you need before you even put it on the list. So watch this. So now we have to stop where we're at and say, oh God, did you, have you been orchestrating my circumstances the whole time so that what I need is actually in what I'm walking through right now. Before you wrote the Christmas list down, he had already directed your steps to get what you need. Lord, I'm praying for prosperity. Uh, I'm going to give you an opportunity to give some away. Lord, but I'm praying for more money. I'm going to give you an opportunity to be generous. Lord, but I'm, I'm, I'm asking for a better marriage. I'm going to give you an opportunity for this. Lord, I'm asking for influence. I'm going to give you an opportunity to be honest. And because it wasn't on the list originally, we look over it just like Israel did with Jesus. We just look right over the top of it. That's not what I want. I'm taking it back tomorrow. Receipt or no receipt, I'm not keeping it. What we have to realize is the gift is in the opportunity that you're in right now. Whatever you're facing, whatever you're up against, wherever you are, He has walked into your life and he's given you an opportunity. He's given you an opportunity to recognize that he's giving you what you need in this moment. It may look like a difficulty in 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 this time. It may look, it may hurt really bad, but he's giving you what you need. He knows what you need before you even ask. He looked at Israel and said, I know you don't recognize it, but it's what you need. You need a savior. And so here we stand today with the opportunity. Wherever you're at, whatever you're facing right now, turn it on its head and go, God, you're creating in me what I need right now through this process. You're turning me into the person that I need to be, and I'm thankful for it. It wasn't on the list, but I'm recognizing it this morning, Lord. Come on, can we bow our heads and pray? Father, we thank you. 
God, you're creating in us what we need right now. You're turning us. You're changing us. You're restoring us, redeeming us. You're setting us free. You're doing in us what we couldn't do in ourselves, God. And you've directed our steps because you know what we need. And so, God, we thank you in this moment. And, God, we pray that you do your work in our lives in this season. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Come on, could you give him honor and glory this morning? He's worthy of it. Amen.